Welcome back to NALP's Young Professionals Network podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Today's podcast is powered by our YPN network partner, Steel. Steel makes a full line of gasoline and battery-powered outdoor power equipment for the demanding landscape professional. Find yours at steelusa.com. Your hosts of today's episode include myself, Neil Glatt from Grow the Bench, and Brett Lemke from RN Landscape. Hey, Brett, how's it going? Wonderful. Back to the two, the duo here again, huh? Yeah. Spring. We rock it out when everybody else is planting or doing landscaping of some level. I suppose it's appropriate. I suppose so. And we also have a guest to join us today. Would you care to introduce Sarah? Uh, Sarah Bendrick, licensed landscape contractor, author, TV personality, who's had more than 10 years of experience specializing in residential design. She's been featured on several DYI network and HDTV programs, including Lawn and Order, Build Build It Like Bendrick, but is best known for her work as the host of I Hate My Yard, tackling the tough yard yards of homeowners and showing them the possibilities that exist for their exterior spaces. Most recently, she served as a landscape designer for a very Brady renovation. Bendrick is also the author of Big Impact Landscaping, 28 DIY projects you can do on a budget to beautify, beautify and add value to your home. Bendrick's passion for improving spaces through the landscape design makes her a great addition to Team Steel and an expert source of information and tips for the steel customers and homeowners. Welcome, Sarah. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. We're, you know, I think we're moving up in the world. We're starting to have TV personalities that we get to talk with. I think our, I think we're registering in this in this world of podcasts. Yeah, thank, thanks to Steel for uh, <laughs> right. taking the introduction. Right, right. <laughs> the, the global company is helping us on that one. So that's, that's right. Cool. <laughs> so Sarah, you do like everything and more, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I like to say I just focus on the exterior. Uh, some people are like, oh, can you help design the inside? I'm like, no, I couldn't even tell you where to start. <laughs> but everything on the outside, I would say I'm very comfortable with and very much enjoy taking apart and building up or freshening up, depending on what the job entails. So did you find your way into this industry through landscape design and construction first or through media first? Because you, you have a foot in both camps, right? Yes, I feel like I have some sort of hybrid career, but uh, landscape design and construction is my meat and potatoes. That's my focus. And then I get media opportunities that sprinkle in here and there. Um, But my background is in landscape architecture. I went to college for that. And then I worked for design build for a few years, went off on my own and about the same time got an opportunity to start doing what I do in real life on television. And so that kind of opened my mind to like, well... I can try and like do both of these things <laughs> and it's a lot of work, but it is certainly a uh, very rewarding. And I, as an extrovert, I love sharing the craft. I love sharing ideas. So it's been, you know, I love my job. I can't complain. Well, and it's just, uh, it's been on a tremendous slide uh, and excitement just to see, I think it's a promotion of our industry, no doubt about it. Right. A lot of ideas generating from especially that residential piece to see the potential uh, has just, you know, then they call that local contractor. Can we do this? Can we do this in a weekend like they do on that? TV? No, no, maybe not. <laughs> not that fast, but, um, but the idea is just to explore. So I, I've been thrilled and certainly a, a watch uh, of all these episodes and, and just and love seeing the inspiration. So, and nowadays I think uh, residential uh, design and, and contracting is just going nuts, right? And so there's a huge opportunity uh, to take advantage of. 
Yeah, it's been so busy in the industry. It's like, it's been very rewarding to be able to like be in such high demand, but at the same time, it's also been very challenging to keep up with the amount of um, people wanting to have their yards redone right now. And I'm sure every landscape contractor and designer is feeling it. Um, but you know, what a better time, like people are paying attention, people are willing to invest, people are competing to get contractors. And this is not usually our world. Usually, you know, you're begging people like it, spend the money with us. Like don't remodel the house, remodel the landscape. And everyone wants a beautiful landscape now when they're stuck at home. Thank God for that. And we will keep going. Uh, and I, and I, I guess even pre-pandemic, there was a high level of interest and people are going outdoors a great deal more, right? That's so, true. I, I probably should rephrase that a little bit. There's always been a market for our industry, for sure. But now everybody is in that market and that's the difference. Yeah. So yeah, that there's always been high demand for like the skills that, you know, landscapers bring and contractors and stuff like that to the exterior spaces. Um, it's, it seems that everybody just wants it all done right now. <laughs> so share a little bit of that story from going from a uh, landscape design to then being involved in, you know, within the media world of our industry, but how does one do that? Or how did you find your way into that path? It was kind of by accident. Um, I saw it on a newsletter actually from the uh, association of landscape architects had a newsletter that I was signed up for. And I saw that DIY was looking for an expert landscape host. And I was like, well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if this will pan out, but might as well reply. <laughs> so I saw it and I, I applied. I sent them my portfolio, my credentials and some photos of work and stuff like that. And they wrote me back and I was like, okay. And then they asked to do an interview and then they asked me to send some videos. And at this point, this is kind of pre like everybody having selfies and recording everything. And so I was like, I had no content to share. So I had to wake up before work, like at 5 a.m. and like self film and try and figure out like how to capture something to share with them on a digital platform. And I, I did, I planted like a succulent bowl or two and just talked about it as simple stuff. And then they're like, okay, send us another video, like doing a project. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I still, I was pretty busy at my job then as well. And so I was just trying to like pull resources together. And I think I had a friend and her daughter come out and help me like at 5 a.m. in the morning before they had to go to work. And I'm like, okay, guys, you're the homeowners. And like, we're just going to mock this up and I'm going to tear apart this yard and basically treat them like clients and have my boyfriend at the time capture it on film. <laughs> and so then I sent that in and they're like, okay, great. You want to meet a producer? And I was like, what? <laughs> was this, was this why you were running your own company or still working for another firm? This is when I was working for another firm. <laughs> And then, yeah, and then I got the gig, um, which was amazing, which was so surprising and exciting for me. Uh, and so they called me up and like, hey, we want to offer you the spot. And basically what they did is they had thousands of applicants and then they kind of narrow it down to like their top few. And then they narrow it down to a handful maybe. And they present that to the network. And then all the executives like basically pick who they want to host this show. Because they had the idea for the show already. They just needed the host. So I filled that spot. <laughs> so, so your your previous firm, you were doing like massive design builds, right? Like super high end quarter million yeah. dollar plus projects. Yeah. But then at 5 a.m. you're waking up and you're planting succulents and for, for DIY network. Like yeah. it, it just, I, I rarely encounter people who can so fluently sit on both sides of that, you know, um, sides of the industry, right? 
Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's in the beginning, it was certainly a new mindset. And I think it took me a while to really grasp on, like, fully jumping onto the social media aspect, because that's different than the media aspect in itself. When you go into media, you have a full production team and support um, behind you making this TV show. And then on the other aspect, there's like the social media aspect, which anybody can do, but it's challenging and time consuming to do well. And so I would say there's like three prongs in my business approach right now is one, my design build company, uh, two media opportunities, and then three, uh, trying to keep up on social media in terms of sharing what I do in my meat and potatoes, my design build. <laughs> so do people call you up and they're looking for you to do like ambitious projects that they ran into trouble to for next to nothing or are you getting like real big significant leads from the DIY stuff that you're putting out there because that's always what you wrestle with right when you're like okay if I'm going to teach somebody how to plant a succulent like what kind of calls am I going to get from an inbound perspective sure so it's definitely uh, that's a great question um because especially on tv a lot of times we're doing things at cost or you know we have many resources bringing the cost to like a certain range um and we do do it for that budget but it doesn't reflect all the true costs behind getting to that point and having every material prepped and ready and <laughs> you know having you, heard it, you heard it here folks it's so and we're breaking we're breaking it out we're finally hearing the, the truth is no no we figured that we didn't know how but we figured it's possible to do it you just need to be very organized and have a lot of support to be able to hit those budgets which is not as realistic when you just have a contractor and homeowner you know duo going so um it is a little different i would say in my like real business it's like true cost of things. I mean, you know, it is what it is to cost and like uh, you need to make money doing the project. So, um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. That's but we, we, and it, and, and it is that, uh, again, people, the experience that people have through television and what that, yeah. how does that translate through? How do we, how do we, and in our, both our business and I'm a landscape contract and we have a design build pieces and how do you translate those pieces, manage expectations, manage to those costs and, and then have that sort of grow. And so you're from the media piece and then that social media piece, right? The pressure to, to produce the content, to continue to build, like I, we have not solved that by any stretch. We're very behind on in that world, but uh, you, it's really important part of your world, I'd imagine. Yeah, I'd say like the social media aspect for my business is pretty important because I'm like one foot in the media, one foot um, with the design build. In fact, I would say design build is like really my main, my main thing, but the social media is helpful to kind of keep those duo things going. But to your average contractor, I think it is important to have a social media presence, but I think trying to strive to be an influencer, like that's a completely different job. Like, I feel like people that are really good at being influencers, they're influencers. Um, and people that are really good at building, sometimes you find that hybrid of people that can balance both and ha run like, a really good company and run a really big social media channel. And like, go them, like, <laughs> go them. Wow. Um, but, but I would, I try and tell contractors, like have a social media presence, but use it like a business card or portfolio. Like you don't have to post five days a week, but when somebody does look up your business, you want to have good content up there. And it's more important to have quality content that people can get an idea of the services that you provide than like trying to post every day and be like, this is me with my dog, or this is me, and my kids. And like, that's fine stuff too, but that's like 
I try and think of it as like a portfolio, an online portfolio, because people aren't going to your website anymore. They're going to your Instagram if you have one. Everybody, I'm like my note. Get my Instagram going. <laughs> That's uh, right. Google what an Instagram. Oh, yeah, I'll write this. that down right now. Is start Instagramming. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't have to. There's still a traditional way as a business. In fact, the majority of my business is word of mouth. Um, I do get leads from on like social media and stuff like that. But my preferred way of getting clients is word of mouth, just doing enough jobs, which anybody who's contracting, that's probably how they're getting most of the leads as well. Yeah, I don't think that business has changed that much, right? It's not like this whole new thing you need to figure out, but it is a new place to do business. So, you know, Brett, when you and I used to carry around portfolio printouts, right? And samples of our work in fancy folders, like really, really that's just big online. folder, right? Yeah, yeah that right. Big now thing it's that just up. online or needs to be online. Uh, my landscape architect friend here that we work a lot with, uh, he's taken on a responsibility and I really appreciate it, but like showing us his marketing strategies and he's actually offering up some of the services. So that's a, it's been a really great relationship. He's a friend, but they do a lot of our design work. Um, but just to see what's important to them, how they engage and the social media piece and what the results have been in a very short time been really good for them. And, uh, and so, yeah, there's plenty of examples of like, just try. And so, so Sarah, how, what kind of resources do you have around you to help you do this? Is this just you or is there a, a whole, I'm, I'm hoping it's like a hundred people behind it. So it makes it sense. Like, all right, like, it's not that it's not <laughs> one mean, person can't do this. <laughs> it's a lot, but, um, for the most part, I have been, I do a lot of self-filming and I've done a lot of self-editing uh, in the past. I did have a photographer I hired to come out and take photos, you know, on a monthly basis or a bi-weekly basis just to like get some high quality shots of, of things. And then it's kind of transformed a little bit here and there. And at this point in this last year, I got a virtual assistant to kind of help just help me organize the content that I'm taking. So I'm not there at like 5 a.m. in the morning, like scanning through my videos of like okay let me put this in let me take an eight hour project and put it down to 15 seconds because that's all people are willing to watch anyways <laughs> you know um and so figuring out that aspect um yeah so basically i have a virtual assistant who helps me at this point starting to edit but i actually haven't put a lot of her stuff out at this point because i think it's important for the channel to still be feel like it's my voice. And so I'll have her edit it and then I'll write the captions. I'll interact with everybody still. But at this point, I probably spend an hour or two on social media a day in the morning or in the evening or in between lunch breaks just to stay up on that. But then, but again, I'm not saying this is like what everybody should be doing. Um, Doesn't everybody spend like six hours on social media anyway? So yeah, that's true. So. like, it's just take one of those hours and actually do something productive on it. And instead of scrolling through and just liking everything. So yeah. Do your own stuff it is but i mean i i think the um the real rewarding part of what we do is like the media side is just highlighting the actual work which is the fun work in my opinion um and that's another thing too and you know if you run a landscape construction company the best way to make money is find the best support under you to do these jobs and manage and put it together I've always struggled with that because I love being hands-on <laughs> or you just stay small enough that you can be, you know, selective. Uh, but I like being hands-on. So, so each project, I try and keep one or two things that I just do for a creative outlet. And the way I kind of see what we do is art, like semi-permanent art in the way that we're arranging things and 
putting things out there and I couldn't imagine not being involved. So I know that I'd probably make more money and be able to grow more if I found good support to just do all these things for me <laughs> and just brought the business in. But I just can't take my, like, it's fun to go hedge bushes, you know, not every single day, but it's fun to be outside, smell the plants, um, you know, get out there with the chainsaw every once in a while. Yeah, steel. <laughs> well, isn't that, isn't that uh, the, you know, so it's refreshing to hear as, as just a TV personality that still struggles with the same things many of our listeners and people in our industry do is how do you transition and scale a business to when you're passionate about the doing or the reason we all got into it was because we love to do the pruning, we love to do the designing, but then that will only get you so far in the piece. And so I think you expressing and showing an outlets that offer you the ability to do more scale, but stay true to the, the passion. And so that, that's a, a new perspective that we haven't had on this, this show. Sure. Yeah. It's one I struggled with for a while, but now, um, you know, bringing in good support, like I have a guy that I work with to help and he goes to all my appointments with me at this point. And so, it used to be like, I do everything from beginning to end, but I really started struggling with like just keeping up with my projects, my clients, the media stuff, because there's too much, um, too much demand and not enough of my time, which is a problem everybody has like media or not media, you know? Um, so finding support like that, but still being involved in the design and the implementation, kind of picking the areas that I want to be hands-on with. Well, I, I think that you, I was on your website and you have this really elegant way of presenting what you do in terms of, you know, uh, consultation and a actual design and then, you know, the building side of it. And um, you really, you've really found a great way to overcome the problem that a lot of small firms or even big firms have, which is there's so many people that are just kind of kicking the tires and wasting our time when they call. Um, you want to talk a little bit about how you've arrived at your paid consultation and putting it out there with the dollar amounts. And if, yeah, you're, if yeah. you're listening, you got to check out Sarah's website because man, copy and paste. It's so great for, for anybody in landscape design build. I think. Yeah. Basically it's like, look, I'm busy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, uh, no. Uh. Well, you've, you've, you've said it in the best possible way, right? <laughs> Where I, think so. <laughs> I, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, for somebody who's just kicking the tires, they're going to read that and be like, you know what? I'm really not ready. I'm not serious enough to spend $150 yeah. to have a real conversation. I'm going to pass. And I'm curious to know how much of that translates into less wasted time with people. Oh yeah. There's just no way at this point um, that it makes any sense. Like, and not to sound like privilege or anything but there, it just makes no sense for me to do show up at a property and do a consultation by the time you drive there um visit them you know and drive back like it can be minimally an hour to two hours of your time uh and it, it might this might make sense for some companies to do this but for a small company like myself um i charge up front and i've actually increased it to 175 lately especially just through covid because the demand is high enough to to justify it, and i just have to pick like in when people pay for a consultation, they're serious. Um, and, and sometimes though, some of these clients are DIYers and I'm happy to service them. In fact, paying 150, $175, or even a hundred bucks, even if you charge them 50 bucks, it just makes them think it's not like they're going to casually be like, come here and let me pick your brain. They're going to be like, okay, I'm serious. Let me get my notepad out. Like, you know, 
to, to, to do this. And so even if somebody is a DIYer, if I go out there an hour with them, I can set them up and be like, here's some resources. Like, here's a direction, like here's some chicken scratch on the paper. Like, you know, maybe it should look like this here. Like I'll spend the hour, however they want. I will, if I can design out a landscape in an hour on a piece of paper and they, they want to go to the store and pick out plants and so be it. Um, there's other people that, you know, as I, it compensates me for my time invested. Cause usually when you go to a job site, people are picking your, your brain for ideas. And I get creative fatigue as well. Like I can't line up a full day and do like three or four consultations. Like by the last appointment, I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, like, you know? Yeah. Here's so, what I did for the last customer. Just use this. This is just going to work fine here. <laughs> hmm. So like, yeah, if you are trying to be highly creative or problem solve, uh, I want to give people that value. And I think I have no problem charging them for that because I think, you know, with the amount of resources most of us bring to the table in terms of plant knowledge and suggestions, like people can run with that themselves or it creates a first impression or a first gathering of information to then set the landscape design plan off of. Yeah, and it, it doesn't need to be a profit generation, right? You can lose money on that, but you're setting the precedent that our time is valuable. You need to be serious to have this conversation. And this is the market for anybody to make that pivot if they're not already. And like yeah. you said, maybe it's 50 bucks because you're in, you know, Northern Maine, right? Yeah, right. Um, but, but at least it's, it's setting up the fact that you don't get access to all the information for free and all my time for free. And it just, it sets up everything through the process on the right, the right negotiating. It's a foot. scary transition to go from like assuming that people won't want to hire you if you charge or like to just show it's a mindset change for sure. And it is scary at first to be like, yeah, I charge, um, you know, <laughs> and then like to be questioning it yourself, like you have to be go forward confidently and creating that sort of demand. People are attentive to that too. They're like, well, if I want the best, well, I'll pay for it. <laughs> um, it's been the age old debate as a uh, design build contractors, right? We've been to many education events and their conversations that locally in our market, upstate New York, we're, we have half that will consistently charge and half that still don't. And then someone yeah. will credit back and we've done that all. And uh, you know, being confident to your point, Sarah, being bold and, and understanding what you're delivering to it, having the backup and, and not being afraid or knowing and have a good executing plan because well, if I, if I don't charge them and I'll get this job and I don't know where the next job is going to come from. No, you've you got to think beyond just the one job that you're looking to go to and put that together brings, will build confidence a lot faster in yourself to say, this is fair. Um, and then landscape architects, professional firms, like they charge a tremendous amount and, and they're getting it all day. And so it's not like this is a new idea and no one's going to buy into this. People are doing it all the time. Yeah. And I try to make sure that when I'm there, I'm giving them value as well, you know, whether they're just notes or helping them organize their thoughts or putting them with good contacts. So it's not like you show up for five minutes and you're like, cool, whatever. Okay. And then like take your notes back home. Um, you know, I'll spend a good hour with them. Yeah. I, I don't think you can charge for an estimate for maintenance. Right. Um, <laughs> no, no, I haven't figured that model out yet. No. Yeah. But, but also I think, you know, it's your own company's policy and you can always elect to, to make an exception to that policy if the opportunity is right, you sure. know, and, and, that even having a policy that you break for the right person speaks even more volume than 
you know, even set collecting it up front, but <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just putting yourself on an equal stature with them of, yeah. Hey, we both matter. Our times are both important. And, yeah. and this is the rules of working with us. Yeah, no, I think that's important. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of hard to navigate sometimes, especially, I don't know if you guys, everybody deals with this, like family and friend referrals as well. And at oh, this man. point, um, unless like you're my best friend, like I have to charge you something for my time or send an assistant. I have to pay for his time. Like it's just too busy for favors. And <laughs> that sounds bad. <laughs> and, no. you know, I'm negotiable for a glass of wine and steak, but you know, <laughs> yeah. barter systems, barter does work. You're right. So it's just, but value. Right. And <laughs> yeah, but no, at, at this point, like I, I kind of feel bad. <laughs> I have, you know, you have like a friend acquaintances and stuff like that, that you're like, yeah, okay, maybe you give some sort of discount to do that. But in this COVID time, like it's just too busy. And so I've just have been, I, it, it kind of depends, it kind of depends, but at this point I'm kind of not really taking on those type of projects because. And, and aren't we all thinking that through or somebody is, has had, is having that struggle. Well, these are good resources. They're good referrals. But, but, but to Neil, your point is just set the, set the tone at the beginning, make it very clear, uh, make exceptions when exceptions are appropriate, but feel comfortable and confident in that. And, 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 and if you find yourself constantly negotiating for that first step, then you are pretty much going to know what the rest of the project's going to be like. The next thing you send a number for, they're going to negotiate, negotiate. And it's just, it, it's a quick litmus test if you're on the right path and will yeah. you connect. Yeah. And I think another thing too, is like, I've lined out some financial goals and if you pile on too many favors or discount things here and there, like you're really pulling yourself away from where you're trying to hit, where you could be have those discount spots could be filled with people that are paying your full price. Um, so it's a real fine balance and I've struggled with because I also like just being involved and helping out too. So I've kind of come to the idea that maybe like once or twice a year, I'll do like a pro bono project or something like that, where that's like, that's where I get my, like feel good about it. But there's, uh, especially being like on the public platform, you get a lot of people from different walks of life or like stories. And I don't know if you guys have this or not, but I think in, anybody with like a, a, like a public social media presence, like sometimes you get people writing in, um, certain struggles and like you know can you help and you know that tugs at you too and you're like I want to help but like at the same time like I'm not running a charity right now so trying to like fill those in I, I that's kind of what I came up with is that like yeah I'll do like one or two like pro bono projects a year to try and find that because it's not all about making money I'm but right. if you water it all down and don't have a clear direction <laughs> yeah. then you're kind of like in that you're not really doing what you're setting out to do. Yeah, I, I spend a lot of time working with charities for free mm -hmm. and I keep my rates for consulting very high. So I'm able to do that, right? And like, that's a very clear definition for me. Sure. Um, and, and Brett, I think you're right. If you started out by saying, by just offering discounts, like I don't think there's a lot of people out there who are, you know, always looking for a deal or always looking to beat you up. But what you're telling them from the start is everything's negotiable. Like, it's okay. I won't get mad if you try and take 10 or 15 or 30% off of this. And, and you essentially are signaling 
hey, you have permission to ask for whatever you want, whenever you want, right? Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, family business, my father relied uh, 49 years. So at the beginning of all this, a heavy reliance on family and friends, the networks that that produced and the favors and the barters and the process. And so, and at that time we were a small residential design, right? More contracting. And we've evolved to a commercial provider and we still get the calls. Hey, do you have some topsoil? I need two yards, you know? And, and it's like, and I'm, it's just down the road. It's the neighborhood friends. And so I struggle tremendously with getting out of that because that's who we were to our local community. Oh, call Rick, my father, right? He'll help you out. He, he'll, and my father still loves doing these pieces and it, it's a part of it and it feels good, yeah. but on the busiest day of the spring and I have to help a, you know, a really good neighbor down the road to figure out two yards of soil. Like, uh, I, I, I'm, excuse me, I got to do a podcast with a really important person, Sarah. I'm, <laughs> I, you know, like, don't, I'm, I'm way big. I'm getting bigger up in the food chain here. I think so. But I um, that. Like that's such a struggle because at the same time, it's wonderful to be part of the community in that way too. Yeah. And, and break the brand. So how do you take a company that was, you know, we planted one tree for a residential person to now we primarily do snow and landscape services or very high end residential landscape, but yet that person knew well, you planted that tree 10 years ago for my neighbor. Can you do one? And, and it's up to, I think what you've built, right. Is the brand has to move. And where we've lacked is our, our social media or our, our who we are, to the, the masses in our community. Certainly the word of mouth to those right ones has been beneficial too, but we haven't shooken off. Like I just have need one yard of soil. Like really, you th- how did you think of us in that one? But sure. uh, I mean, a good referral system maybe that you could send them to. Yeah, stop calling my father. I got to start, that's what I could do, right? Cause he <laughs> still owns the dang company and he would remind <laughs> me that every day and say- That, that makes it, it tougher. Brett. That yeah. makes it tough. Yeah. yeah. On it. <laughs> so, uh, and he's even traveling across the country right now. And yet I still get texts, take care of this, do this. You're like, cell phones. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. But so, um, so another uh, partnership you've done is with steel. And so again, we've all used steel products. We know them. They've been a really big support, but, but then share that connection. Cause that, I, yeah. again, I think those stories are fun for future people in our industry to see how they make better connections. Yeah, absolutely. So steel asked me to be their spokesperson a few years ago. And honestly, it's like the best opportunity I've ever come across. Like I would think I was more excited for that than like getting a TV show because like everybody knows who steel is. Like they are like the top company for landscape tools. Um, and everybody uses them. Like everybody professional has a deep respect for this company. And it was probably the biggest honor ever that they saw a connection and you know what I do and wanted me to help represent them and and talk about some of the different things they bring. And one of the main things that we collaborate on is their battery powered tools. And I have a lot of those. I use a lot of those in my landscaping because I'm, I'm not a maintenance contractor. I'm in like a design install. And so for me, having the battery has been super nice because it's not like, like with a chainsaw, it's not something you have to like work with the gas and like keep, keep it clean. You just push it, you know, plug a battery in or push a battery in or take it out, you know, and oil the chain here and there. Um, so that's been an awesome association and I've had opportunities to travel with them and to do some outreach and reach a bigger audience in that aspect by collaborating with them on content and stuff like that. But 
yeah, it's kind of a, it's just been a real big honor. <laughs> well, and, and, and it's just fun to, to hear those stories. Uh, so, you know, again, listeners or people out there says I'm really big advocate for battery powered and to know that you can reach out to steel uh, and, and say, we're really excited about this. And they might be just as excited about hearing that you're doing that and, and, and watch what that relationship could explore. And it's just, again, that partnership opportunities and, doesn't matter if you're small or big contractors, right? And it's just, and I've seen them promote stories within our publications of friends of, you know, Neil and I, we know of companies that are use their products and they're using them for promotion. So it's, again, it's a, it's not just this thing that's out of touch and out of reach. They're, they're, yeah. they're really working to, you know, to your neighbors and your local contractors, they, that, that connection is, can be very strong if it's something that you think is yeah. valuable. That is like a really nice thing about Steels, they're a family-run company and, um, you know, they're sold all through distributors. And so there's that community aspect of them as well, which I think which makes them such a strong company in the, our profession is because you have real people you can talk to if you ever have any issues or if you have questions. It's not like you go to a big box store, you buy something, and there's literally nobody there that knows anything about the tool, you know? Um, <laughs> they have a great, like, it's... I don't, I don't know if grassroots is the right term or not, but like it's deeply ingrained uh, the culture and the support that they have. And now in modern times, like with social media and all that stuff, like any brands, like you're just like one step away from a connection with some of these brands in terms of using them. And like, you can actually reach people where in the past, like, you know, you could write a letter <laughs> or an email and it would probably go in red, but you know, I can interact with different brands on social media and stuff like that and, and have conversations and share ideas and with, with other people in general, like with the audience, with like, you can share your ideas with your audience or with just your clients and your customers, if that makes any sense. But Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think too, you know, having steel, like steel is one of those brands where you see, a crew using it and it just it sends the message of professional right yeah. like there's there's a few brands out there where you can see from the equipment from from the crews that you drive by like oh that guy gets it and that guy doesn't you know and steals <laughs> steals one of those things where you see a crew even for your average homeowner they're like oh they're you know they're on, on point yeah and that's that's a good connection though to make from the maintenance aspect of it and it's, it's interesting as a landscape design build because you work with people who have usually pretty bad yards and make them nice and then trying to get them set up. Either they're going to do the maintenance themselves or they're going to hire somebody to do it. Um, and if they are going to do it themselves, I'll be like, here, I suggest having these tools like these. These will, you know, help you maintain this space. And and that's that's, you know, kind of a side note from there. But that's the maintenance aspect of the business and having homeowners involved in that is like a huge gaping area in our industry. I think um, it's like landscape maintenance companies. It's great. We need them. Absolutely. We need them, but having homeowners be interested and involved um, in, in being part of these gardens is definitely something I would like to work on more. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't have a landscape maintenance person, but just getting people inspired and feeling comfortable in these outdoor spaces. And I think that's another reason like why the battery powered tools are also helpful because they're a lot more user-friendly as well. So I feel a lot more confident, like starting people off with like these type of tools, uh, like the steel power, you know, the steel blower, the power washer, all these things. I, I think that, um, well, let me rephrase that. Like, I feel comfortable getting my clients started with battery powered tools because like it's an easier entry level. 
Yeah, and, and, and if we're going to solve the world, right, it's going to be going after consumers rather than the, the business. We, you know, there are so much more resources used. And so the smarter they are with the tools, the products, the, the strategies of how to care for it, they're, uh, we're, you know, we're going to be moving this thing a lot faster. I mean, we take a lot, you know, bringing professionalism to some level of the homeowner, right? And so how do they understand and embrace that battery? How do they understand the sustainable p- practices? And uh, if that clicks, then it, and, and it's, and it's usually left off. They spend, invest, I know very few companies, they, oh my gosh, this design build job took a year. It's a magnificent, they, 20 minute conversation, maybe 30 minute conversation about like, well, how are you going to take care of this? And just like, no, no, no. And we, you know, Luke with us, that's a, a Mariani landscapes. They, they'll bring the conversation to maintenance day one. You know, my understanding of their process is that it's a, it's an integrated part and they'll capture them as a, a client for life in this piece because it's, they, they're not letting that go on earth because you spend a hundred thousand on this landscape, you're going to spend, you know, 30, 50,000 a year, right? So eventually you'll spend more than just, maintaining it potentially so don't quote me on any of those numbers those are completely off i'm, <laughs> I'm way better estimator than that if if potential clients are listening so yeah um, no but so, I, hear what, I hear what you're saying though is you know if you're not investing in the in the maintenance start or thinking about the maintenance aspect before you put this in the saddest thing i see is people spending this kind of money on something or creating landscapes that are so low maintenance that are like void of life that, you know, I don't, I, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, in California, I feel like I'm constantly fine fighting people like with low maintenance as their top priority. And I feel like there's just, it's just an introduction into like an easier, like an introduction to how to interact with their space more. And I think COVID has given us that gift that people are um, interacting with their space more, but just connecting them to their own yards. Because the last thing I think we want is just landscapes void of life because it's low maintenance. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. You cannot, uh, what is it? The idea of like, well, I don't want to integrate, like we've heard the client, like, I don't want to even deal with my landscape. Like, well, no, that's not the responsibility either. Right. Put gravel down everywhere. Right. On upstate New York. I mean, to see a lawn turn into gravel would be like just impossible to see that, but, uh, <laughs> just too much grass up here, but it's just that. So yes, there's a, a healthy balance in, in calming people down, find professionals or just find some level of engagement to take care of it. you. You don't have to do it right. Someone will do it for you. Or if you want to do it, there's some good ideas out there too. Yeah. I think that's great that your buddy talks about maintenance as part yeah. of the process. So Sarah, you made the decision not to do maintenance and I'm curious more about the transition which I think a lot of young professionals um, wrestle with, which is, you know, they go to school or they come up in the industry, they're working for a big firm, they're having a level of success, but somewhere they're thinking someday I want to run my own business. You made that jump. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what that transition was like and how you arrived there? Was it always something you wanted to do? I think I've always just been motivated by doing creative projects and opportunities. And that's kind of what got me here. But right, yeah, and I, I never really thought about it like, oh, I want to run my own company. It just happened to work that way. And it, I'm, I'm super grateful that it has because it has given me the freedom to be creative, I think, more so than maybe working for a large firm. I mean, I think if I went straight out of school and worked for a landscape architecture firm, like I would have been doing AutoCAD for five years before I, you know, started doing anything creative and in, um, in terms of, well, maybe not creative, but 
there would have been, it would have been a slower system. And I kind of started out when the economy was down and there wasn't a lot of jobs. So I took a residential design build job and, you know, it was not a lot of people in the company. So there was a lot of responsibilities that I just had to figure out initially. And then eventually I'm like, oh, I can kind of do this myself. And so there, I think opportunity in working with a small company and having your hand in a lot of pots can be helpful, especially if you think you might want to run your own business. And I don't know that everybody needs to run their own business to find the fulfillment, like having a good team and liking the people that you work with and feeling respected by them, it like could be just as rewarding. And in fact, sometimes it would be really nice to know that, <laughs> you know, you're not doing it all alone. And you know, at least, at least to start out. So finding good resources and the people you can depend on are probably the most important thing if you're going to go out on your own. Yeah, I fully agree. My, my career in contracting on the Snow and Ice side was I joined a company as the third employee and uh, it was like small time, but big ambition and came up growing it from, you know, a million dollars a year to $40 million a year over seven years. And I was very much that entrepreneur, right? It wasn't my company. I had no ownership. I had no risk if everything went sideways, which is really nice when you're doing really risky stuff, like <laughs> trying to grow one of the largest companies uh, in the industry. Um, and, and if I had to go back and do it all again, like, no, I, I don't think that I would want to run it myself. And, and, you know, moving on to the next chapter of my life was not, I want to go start this and build it for myself. Or, or do something similar because um, there's not a lot of freedom when you build a company with a thousand employees, right? Um, right. Isn't that the kind of funny thing about it is everyone's like, I want to work for myself. I have freedom, this and that. I'm like, you really want to think about that because it might be really nice to work for somebody else and enjoy your job and be off when you're off. Like <laughs> it's, it's very consuming, like on all aspects and like in your personal life and, and, and everything like you'll be hanging out and still have to like, do like have your phone on you because things are happening. And, you know, and that's like with a lot of jobs, but it's you to know, know you run it, like, go ahead. It's just to know yourself because I, you know, if, if you'll never be happy with, you know, working for someone and as scary as it is to go on your own, but that's the path towards happiness, then you're going to have to follow. And in, in your world say, right, that you, you knew that was a path. And in mine, I mean, I, I don't think I could work for somebody else and have one job uh, before, you know, after this kind of thing outside the family business, but it was just, um, so it's just to know yourself well enough to, to know the path and, and be comfortable and confident in that. And then you're not alone, right? Where I think we're a highly networked industry and, yeah. uh, and you can see tips and trades on TV now. Right. And so it's all there and available to you. Um, but just figure it out and figure it out as fast as you can, but, and lean on that. And I think a good opportunity too, for some people who are not sure they want to go from working for somebody else to running their own company is just become an independent contractor and specialize in one or two things and have people subcontract you. Like you could be a one person business and be really good at horticulture. And there's so many landscape companies that are great at installing the hardscape and all these aspects and the softscape, you know, they're good, but there's a lot of companies that could really use somebody that really understands plants, um, you know, or, or you, you know, become a, a Mason or, or something else specific and you can still be your own boss and just be hired by other companies. And then you have the opportunity to say yes or no, or like, I'm going to take a month off and I'm unavailable and you can do that. 
Yeah, I, and, and and it's beyond just and, and continue to open the the horizons and perspectives to our young professionals. Just your career path, Sarah, to how you can work with our you know our vent, our supporting contr- uh, suppliers like Steel and and saying they're looking for people that are experts within this industry or your expertise in whatever particular like that could become its own career upon itself. And and so it, you know, we have the traditional area managers, designers and, and field manager piece, but there are just so many more uh, paths that, and every day in larger companies are just different markets. You just meet so many different roles. And so if, if you only get a small perspective, but just got to open it up, listen to a great deal more uh, and learn because there's something that's going to jump out at us. Yeah, no, I think so too. And sorry, my computer, I just realized is on low battery. So. <laughs> that would have been, Hey, uh, what's your thought on this here? Done. Right. It just went black. So it was like bad. Yeah. Bad. My screen went black, but I can still yeah. hear you. You could, is this a, would you do a plug? You should get a steel battery for your laptop. Is that, how you, is that, is that how you do? That, I just I need think a that's new laptop. <laughs> Well, Neil, do you think you it, were you inspired after this conversation to start your own HGTV series? Is that your, your you think you've got what it takes? You know, um, no. But mm-hmm. if they called, I'd probably talk to them. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I, I'm always willing to have a conversation. Is that how that, that, that this goes? Right? Yeah. I actually I was involved in a a pitch for a reality show at the Snow Company, um, but yeah, it was a uh, it was interesting. It was interesting because. Two of us were all for it. We're like, absolutely get the cameras in tomorrow. And two of us were like, absolutely not under no condition. Can we allow what happens inside this building to end up on television? (laughs) And, and our pitch meeting was like a group chat where we were just arguing with each other, which we thought would make for great TV, but it never got picked up. So there's always these opportunities, little opportunities for like the local medias to do a news piece and, Hey, someone always wants to know about spring gardening tips in the local paper or just they're fun. They, they could feel nerve wracking. Right. And, 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 in public speaking that, but these are the moments you just got to push out, uh, out of your comfort mode and try. And if anything, this conversation has been about building either your choice, a personal brand or a company brand and yeah. push one of those two need to be out there. And if it's not your face, that needs to be on a billboard. It, your company probably needs to be up there and present. Yeah, that's true. We would probably do three or four local news segments a year and we use it to our advantage, right? Like I once issued a press release to all the local papers, small time stuff. Right. But I was like, we're holding a hiring event and we're going to hire 500 people and everybody picked it up and went crazy. It was like, I could maybe hire 250 part-timers. Right. But I wanted the buzz for that to come in. And it did. We did like three separate local news uh, interviews just on that. And it got out in the paper that we were serious about hiring people and people showed up, you know, to get hired. So um, we would do whatever we could all the time. And it was like, you know, what, what are our customers going to think? You know, how do we control this and spin it the right way? But um, at the end of the day, I've had success because I've taken those risks. So um, I think you have to manage that brand out there. And, and knowing what you have to be, if it's the HDTV world and that pulls in that, per, you know, that's your, your residential connection, or if you're business to business, just finding those outlets and peace there. Yeah, for sure. Well, Sarah, it's been an awesome conversation. Um, where can, I know you put out so many great, you know, tips and, and tools, both for end users, but also I think 
um, our listeners, we get a lot of value from checking out how they may be able to emulate some of the social media that you're doing in their own market. Where do you recommend people check out to see some of the stuff you're putting out there all the time? Sure. Uh, Instagram is a big platform that I focus on and it's just my name, Sarah Bendrick. And also I, I have been doing stuff on YouTube and TikTok surprisingly, but TikTok is actually pretty, uh, pretty good for quick tips. And then there's Facebook if anybody uses that still. <laughs> oh, wait, I, I, I do. No, just kidding. I'm a no, little I more advanced, right? <laughs> 72% of adults in the U.S. are currently using Facebook. It's not dead. <laughs> Despite what people younger than us might say. No, it's not. It still has its value for sure. <laughs> well, awesome, Sarah. We always wrap up our podcast by uh, sharing a rose and thorn, something going well, something we're maybe wrestling with a little bit. Brett and I will talk about our past week or so. You're free to share um, whatever you'd like when we get to you. But Brett, you want to kick us off with your rose and thorn? Man, I, you know, I know this week comes and I'm trying to think through, but just uh, n- no big thorns, sunny skies, uh, exciting spring a little getaway with the family this weekend, um, um, getting enthusiastic about our sales and just really learn that I got to embrace that more, getting back into some of the, the seats that I've, I've missed and or want to be a part of. Um, so getting a good, good grip and getting them maybe a little over the, the threshold of the spring. I say that I mean, my team probably is running around crazy right now and love them for that. So, so no big thorns, no big thorns. How about you, Neil? Yeah, nothing crazy. We're back to some nicer spring-like weather here. So that's exciting because it was rain for a few days. And uh, I keep talking about it, but I'm so excited to hop on a plane. I'm only two weeks away. Um, but I'm bummed because I'm missing some awesome guests. I know Jenny's coming up as a guest um, oh, yeah. Yeah. from RM and, and Britt yeah. will be on in a few weeks. So yeah. I might have just, I think I provided our podcast first spoiler in future episodes in, in the year we've been recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll be good enough that people want to tune into. So Sarah, how about you? Great. So, uh, I mean, I guess looking forward, not backwards. Right. But I just had a great weekend with my family this last weekend. We rented this house in the central coast that was like near vineyard and it was, Oh, it was so lovely. So I'm still reeling off of that. And then (laughs) I don't think I have any thorns coming up other than just trying to keep up with the schedule and make, try and make all my, get back to all my emails. (laughs) Well, awesome, sir. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us uh, on our podcast here. Thank you to all of our listeners. Please don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe and share with your colleagues and friends. And uh, we'll be out with another episode next week. Take care, everyone. Take care.